Welcome to Ebenezer's Podcast, a podcast about hearing, understanding, and applying the Word of God to our lives. My name is Leighton Erickson, and I'm Ebenezer's Lead Pastor. Thanks for joining us today. Please check out our website at ebenezerbaptist.ca to connect with us and learn more about our ministries. I hope you enjoy the message. Good morning to all of you tuning into our online gathering today. It's great to have you with us. And for those of you that may not know me, my name is Chad Ingram, and I'm on staff at Ebenezer giving leadership to our college and career ministry and worship ministry. And this summer, we're in a series that's taking us on a journey with Jesus, specifically looking at interactions that Jesus had with people during his time here on earth. As part of our series, each Sunday we're also including a different missionary that our church family supports. So with that said, I'd like to introduce you to Bobby Mark. Bobby has been on staff with Power to Change for four years, giving specific leadership to a branch of their ministry called Leader Impact. And Bobby has been married to the wonderful Diana Mark for soon to be 23 years in August, I believe. And Diana is also on our Ebenezer board, and her and Bobby have two great kids named Karis and Hansen, ages 17 and 15. And they've attended Ebenezer for 16 years and have been active participants in various ministry areas with children's ministry, finances, sound and media, and youth. On a personal level, Bobby and Diana have been a part of the discipleship group Uh, with Lindsay and myself this last year, and it has been a privilege to get to know them better. We've had many times of deep learning together, uh, some tears that have been shared, and uh, are coming to know one another very well, and also knowing Jesus much better through this last year. I appreciate Bobby and this entire family immensely because of their willingness to serve others at their expense. I've seen that played out in their lives. Uh, Their deep desire to learn um, and an even stronger commitment to apply what Jesus challenges them with. Now, aside from these few things to which I could add more, um, they are just a great family to hang out with and uh, to laugh with and they like to have a good time. Um, So I highly commend them to you to get to know them. Um, So with that said, welcome here today, Bobby. Oh, thanks, Chet, for the introduction and the kind words. And it's it's a privilege to share this morning. No problem at all. Uh, Before we start this morning's teaching, I want to um, sum up, well, some of our viewers to be able to find out a little bit more about you and Leader Impact. So I have a few questions for you. Uh, Firstly, can you explain to me and to us what Leader Impact is and what the ministry is all about? Yeah, so our purpose statement is to help marketplace leaders explore the relevance of faith in their personal and professional lives. We want these leaders to connect their faith to their whole selves, and we help them grow personally, professionally, spiritually. Um, We have a diagram where we have three uh, circles interconnecting. And when personal, professional, and spiritual connect and you're growing in all three areas, that's where we believe you can have the most impact. And that's what we help people with. You know, we we focus on reaching people who look like they have it all together. 
you know, but they still have problems. Uh, but they can usually hide it with, you know, either money relationship or, or other resources they may have. So who's going to reach those people? You know, it's the Christian leaders. Um, these people respect and they, and they have contact with uh, these Christian leaders. Many of them, they've taken, you know, million dollar risks in their business and we challenge them and, and we help them to take million dollar risks with their faith. That's great. What, what specifically does your role with leader impact look like for you? So I often tell people, especially those who, who aren't Christians that I'm like a life coach for, for business people. You know, I can be someone they can talk to and get advice from in their personal and professional lives. Yeah. You know, I've been working with uh, someone who owns his own business and, and he calls me on a regular basis for advice. I have a business degree and, and we've known long, each other long enough that I, that I know the basics of his business and, and we can talk through situations, whether it's business or, you know, on a personal level, you know, so it's oftentimes just being there for someone who needs support, you know, people like him, they may not have someone to talk to. Uh, about their issues that they're having with their business or with their personal life. You know, their, their spouse, they may be busy with their own work or they may not under, understand the business. And since many of the people I deal with, they're an owner operator, they probably don't want to talk to their employees about, you know, the issues they're having. You know, so I can be someone who helps them with these things they're dealing with personally, professionally, or, or spiritually. You know, but I'm only one person. And I can only help so many people. So I often connect these leaders who are looking for help. Um, they're looking to grow. So I point them to other leaders. And this is often done in group settings. So my responsibilities cover all of Saskatchewan. And I, and I help provide resources. And I, and I encourage our group leaders. You know, so currently we have in Saskatchewan, we have groups in Saskatoon, Regina, and Swift Current. And we have groups all across Canada from Vancouver to Sherbrooke, Quebec. Uh, ultimately, I want to help people grow um, so they connect their spiritual life and, you know, and do help them share their faith with those that they come in contact with, you know, whether it's a supplier, a customer, uh, one of their employees or a parent at one of their kids' events. You know, these leaders are often people who are, like I said, are willing to take risks in their business. And I want to get them to start thinking of taking risks in their faith by listening to God and being obedient to what he's calling them to and, and reaching out and sharing their faith with the people around them. Yeah, that's so needed and powerful uh, to equip these leaders in that way. And it also speaks of your heart for discipleship as well. Uh, so thank you for reaching out in this way and specifically to this demographic. Um, now, I want people to get to know you specifically a little bit better. And your family has had quite a year this last year. Uh, could you tell us a bit of what some of the details were of this last year and how you're all doing right now? Yeah, so it has been a crazy year for our family, and, and it isn't all COVID-related. So um, our son, Hanson, he was in the hospital for 23 days in February, and, and he had viral meningitis and complications that came from that. So from my understanding, you know, that meningitis, it's an, an infection in your spinal fluid that affects your spine and your brain. And, and one of the things that was happening in his body was the, the brain signals getting sent uh, that control the sodium levels 
So his sodium levels were dangerously low and they were so low that he probably should have been having seizures, but he wasn't, you know, thank God for that. And he spent about nine days in ICU trying to get his sodium levels up. Um, the staff, they were trying, you know, several treatments one at a time to slowly raise the sodium levels up because if you do it too quickly, there can be ramifications from that as well. And then when one thing didn't work, they would go on to the next treatment, but it seemed to go so slowly because they could, they were trying things like, you know, trying it for 18 to 24 hours at a time. So even once they did find a treatment uh, that worked, that was raising him sodium, his sodium levels, um, you know, he wasn't out of the woods. And I think that was the lowest point for our family. You know, he should have been getting better, but he wasn't. Um, the doctors couldn't figure out why, even though his sodium levels were at a good number. Um, he just wasn't getting any better. So one of the theories was that he might have autoimmune meningitis. And from my understanding, um, this occurs when there's a trigger in the body that causes the antibodies from fighting the, the virus in this case to start fighting the the body itself. And the, one of the triggers they were saying to us was cancer. So, you know, they started, you know, looking for cancers, but they started treating the autoimmune meningitis. And after they started treating him with that, he, he got better fairly quickly. So once he started getting better, he moved to the regular ward. And, and that's when the testing for cancer really started. He was going for CT scans, MRIs, um, ultrasounds, you know, sometimes up to three tests a day. And these scans were showing things that, that didn't look normal, but they weren't sure if it was, you know, his body or how his body was reacting to the meningitis. And so there's more specialists brought in, you know, it seems daily. Um, and he seemed like he saw every kind of specialist there was out there. But now, you know, he's doing great. The, the diagnosis was, the final diagnosis was he had a, a viral meningitis, but they don't know, you know, what virus uh, caused all of this. So he's doing all the activities he was doing before and just gaining, now it's just gaining his strength that was lost. You know, he was, wasn't eating for probably two weeks and was, you know, in bed for about three weeks. So, you know, it's uh, to happen to a 15 year old, it's, it's, uh, that, that was perfectly healthy before, you know, even the doctors were kind of stumped and what, you know, what he went through and, you know, why it happened. Like, and they still don't know why it happened. Yeah. You know, and, you know, through this time, we, we really relied on God. Um, there were many times where we would start praying and all that would come out were sobs. And, and we had a new understanding for, you know, Romans eight twenty six where Paul says, you know, the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings, with words that we cannot express. You know, we didn't have words to pray, but we knew God was there for us. Um, you know, when cancer was mentioned, you know, Diane and I didn't panic. We were amazingly calm about it. And, and the only ex explanation is God's peace. Um, we also saw what it means to be part of God's family. And we had so many people praying for us and helping us with meals, coffee, you know, willing to visit with us. You know, we often said we don't know how we could have gone through this experience without our, our faith and our faith family. You know, so thank you to the Ebenezer family and, and everyone for being there for us, you know, for praying for us to, and just for helping our family through this time. Thanks for being vulnerable and just sharing with us, Bobby. Uh, your family is a gift to our Ebenezer family. And, and I'm glad that we can all be supported by one another through testing times like this that you have experienced. 
And it's fantastic to see Hanson back playing baseball. In fact, we were just out last night to, to see him play and to see his smiling face and, and to even to hear his uh, sarcastic little quips about things. So yeah, that's a good sign of, of health for him. So, yeah. Um, well, I guess we had better get into our passage for this morning. So today we're going to be looking at Matthew 19, verses 16 through 31. And before we read it, uh, I want to just give some context to this passage. The book of Matthew was believed to have been compiled mostly for the Jewish people to read. And the intent was to help the Jewish people to understand that Jesus truly was the Messiah that they were waiting for, who was prophesied about in the Old Testament. And this gospel, Matthew, was not necessarily written in chronological order, but more written as a compilation to reveal who Jesus was as the Messiah, as he interacted with others and taught. And at the beginning of chapter 19, it's stated that Jesus and the disciples had been in Galilee teaching and ministering, but left to go to Judea. And the whole time this was happening, there was a crowd of people that gathered to hear Jesus's teaching and to see the miracles that he performed. And as they moved closer to Jerusalem, into Judea, some Pharisees or religious leaders came to Jesus. And they asked him a question on divorce, and they were trying to trick him so that they'd be able to kind of disprove that he was the Messiah because he might teach something that went against the Old Testament law. But Jesus answers masterfully. Then some children were brought to Jesus to be prayed for. And instead of Jesus being disturbed by them, Jesus actually welcomes them and said, the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. In a way, Jesus is essentially saying that it's a simple but wholehearted faith in God and in Jesus that's required to have eternal life. And this would have gone against or kind of rubbed up against the complicated or religious Old Testament laws that the religious leaders were trying to enforce and follow in order to try and gain right standing with God. Finally, we come to Matthew 19, 16 through 31. So I'm going to read that for us, to, and we can read that together if you have your Bible with you. Verse 16. Just then a man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Why do you ask me what is good? Jesus replied. There is only one who is good. If you want to enter life, keep the commandments. Well, which ones, he inquired. And Jesus replied, You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother. And love your neighbor as yourself. Well, all these I've kept, the young man said. What do I still lack? And Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, go, sell your possessions, and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. And when the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. Then Jesus said to his disciples, 
Truly, I tell you, it is hard for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. And again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. And when the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished and asked, Who then can be saved? And Jesus looked at them and said, With man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. And Peter answered him, Well, we've left everything to follow you. What then will there be for us? And Jesus said to them, Truly I tell you, at the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or fields for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last and many, many who are last will be first. So this is a challenging passage for us, especially when something like money possessions and sacrificing things comes into play. We don't like those topics very, very much. Um, We have a rich young man who we read has some wealth and he appears to be kind of living a charmed life here on earth, but it also appears that he's really tried to live a good life for God. And although he has lived a good life, He is still doubting his salvation, whether he has eternal life or not. And this might be something that many of us listening today, and for you and I, Bobby, as well, that we've wrestled with too. So let's look at Jesus's response. So just to go back again in verse 16, you know, Jesus uh, then had this man come up to him and ask, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? And Jesus responds, why do you ask me about what is good? There is only one who is good. And if you want to enter life, keep the commandments. So I guess my my first question for you, Bobby, is why do you think Jesus answers this rich young man's question first with a question? Yeah, you know, Jesus in in his whole process, like he's and his whole life was pointing towards, you know, him as the Messiah. So Jesus is answering just more than the man's question. You know, the man could have asked other religious leaders and, and he knew who they were because, you know, from what I, from my reading, it's, you know, he probably uh, was a Jewish leader. So he probably worked in the temple and, and, you know, he was high up in the temple. So he know, knew who the, the religious leaders of the time were. So he could have asked them, you know, but he saw something different in Jesus and, and Jesus is saying like, yes, I am different, you know, so what do you see in me that's different? Yeah. Okay. And then why do you think Jesus then follows that question with the statement there is only one who is good. You know, I, I think Jesus is almost trying to get the, the young man to admit that, that he is God. Mm-hmm. You know, like I said, like the whole part of Jesus's ministry was to point to him as the Messiah. And, and the whole Bible is pointing towards that. 
that, you know, Jesus is the Messiah and, and that he's going to save the world. Okay. Um, lastly, you know, Jesus makes this statement at the end um, where I think he's trying to get specific with what the question was that the young man asked. And he says, why do you think Jesus, um, or pardon me, if you want to enter life, keep the commandments. Why do you think Jesus ended with that response? Yeah. So, you know, Jesus isn't promoting, you know, salvation through works here. You know, he's pointing to the law and the perfect law that God gave and, you know, the way to eternal life, you know, according to the old Testament was to follow the old Testament law, Hmm. but everyone knew that it was impossible to keep all the commandments, you know, so the man, he wanted to know which ones that he needed to keep. You know, he was looking for eternal life. You know, like you said, you know, he was a rich man, but yet he also was, was very religious and, and he wanted to follow God. You know, so Jesus' response with the commandments uh, re- related to our relationship with others. You know, if you look up the Ten Commandments, the, the first four have to deal with our relationship with God. And the last six have to deal with the relationship with, you know, our neighbors and, and people around us. So Jesus gives, you know, five of the last six commandments, plus love your neighbor as yourself. And in Romans, Paul says, you know, the last six commandments can be rolled up into love your neighbor, you know, as yourself. Yeah. So, but the one that Jesus specifically leaves out is, is do not covet, Hmm. you know, and I think it's interesting that he left this one out and, you know, maybe Jesus was pointing out that this was one of the commandments that the young man was struggling with. You know, and by leaving um, this commandment was leaving this commandment out, out, you know, I think he, you know, maybe was trying to set up the, the young man and saying, you know what, I've kept these commandments that you've said, you know, so what else do I, I need to do? Like he knew that he needed to do more to, to gain eternal life, you know, and, and then Jesus gives him a four part answer in, in verse 24, uh, sorry, verse 21. And, you know, that four-part answer is, is an example for us as well in, in what we have to do um, in our relationship with Jesus if we want to follow him. So um, the, the first thing he says is, go and sell all you have. You know, Jesus is asking the man to humble himself and sacrifice what he has. He knew the man was wealthy and he knew he would have a hard time giving up his wealth. You know, maybe it was the possessions that drove him. Maybe it was the status that his wealth gave him. You know, whatever it was, it made it difficult for him to humble himself before God and to give up what he had. You know, for us, you know, what may be something that God is asking us Mm -hmm. to give to him? You know, with people I work with, you know, there are people who who cling to their wealth, you know, their position, their power, their relationships. In fact, you know, we all have a weakness that we uh, hold on to yeah. and we want to hold on to that because you know we're proud of it and when we're proud of it it's it's harder to give up to god you know jesus gave us the example of what it means to sacrifice in philippians 2 8 you know paul says jesus humbled himself to die you know a criminal's death on a cross so jesus isn't asking us to do something that that he hasn't already done yeah you know so the next uh step is is for the man to give his money to the poor. Mm. He wants the man to engage uh, in the kingdom work here on earth. Mm. You know, the man was looking for eternal life, you know, the life after the physical, 
But Jesus wants us to have a full life here on earth as well. You know, at Leader Impact, we often use John 10.10. You know, Jesus's purpose is to give life to the full. You know, he wants us to have that full life here on earth. And he wants his will to be done here on earth as it is in heaven. And we get to be part of that work if we're willing to be obedient to him. And, you know, it's just being obedient to what he's called us to do. You know, so after doing this, Jesus said, then your treasure will, then you will have treasure in heaven. Mm. So think eternally. You know, the man was thinking eternally, but he also wanted to hold on to his treasures of this world too. Mm. So in Matthew six twenty one, Jesus said, you know, where your treasure is, there your heart is also. Yeah. So later in that same passage in Matthew 6, in verse 24, Jesus said, you know, we can't serve two masters. We can't serve God and money. So, so what is my heart fixed on? What are the things I'm trying to serve besides God? Yeah. You know, Psalm 49, 20 puts it in a pretty blunt way. It says, people who boast of their wealth don't understand. They will die just like animals. Mm-hmm. You know, we can put our trust in wealth and the things on this earth, but they will all perish. And then what do we have? And it doesn't just have to be wealth. It's relationships. It's, you know, anything here on earth that we will perish, you know, and everything without God will perish. Yeah. So finally, Jesus says, you know, after you've done all that, then come follow me. And this is more than just asking the man, you know, to physically follow Jesus, but it's to be obedient Uh, to his teaching and to follow his example, to be a disciple, you know, put into practice what Jesus has taught and and apply it. In in Luke 9, 23, Jesus says something very familiar. You know, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must put aside your selfish ambition, shoulder your cross daily and follow me, you know, so put aside what we want, sacrifice to God our daily desires, and then we can follow him. Wow. That's, challenging stuff right there we could just stop and probably all go repent and uh, and try and get our our lives in order uh after hearing that but the passage continues on um it's challenging for us to hear this even today not just reflecting on this you know rich young ruler uh, as we think of god looking at our hearts and knowing the key areas that he wants to be the lord uh in our lives in and I know yeah. it's been good for me to remember that, like, just who God is, as, as I've reflected on this passage, that he isn't trying to ruin our lives or my yeah. life on earth by taking things away and saying, well, give me that and give me that and give me this too. Um, but it's that he knows the damage that can happen um, and take place in our lives when we place our trust in our wealth or anything other than um or the unrest that plagues us when we strive to try and earn right standing with god through what we do versus receiving the the gift of grace through jesus who earned our right standing with god and eternal life on our behalf through his death on the cross for the payment of our sins And this actually leads me to the next section of scripture in the passage. It appears that Jesus kind of turns it to the disciples to have a teachable moment with them. And we don't know if the rest of the crowd 
uh, was around at this time or not, but it doesn't really change what Jesus says or the meaning of it. So let's just read what, what happens. Verse 23, then Jesus said to his disciples, truly I tell you, it's hard for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. And again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished and asked, well, who then can be saved? And Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. So I guess my question for you again is, what do you think is the main message in this section that Jesus is trying to drive home with the disciples? Yeah. So, you know, one of the first things that, that stood out for me is, you know, when Jesus says, truly, I tell you, you know, he's saying, you know, listen up, this is important. You know, so we have to remember that he's talking to first century Jews who, from what I, I, I researched, you know, their view on earth was, was closely linked to eternal life. You know, how they lived on earth was linked to eternal life. So to a Jew in Jesus's time, you know, the rich young ruler would have appeared to have, you know, possibly a step up on, on salvation mm-hmm. because he had a good life here on earth. He was more suited, you know, quote unquote, for, for salvation in the eternal life. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it would have been easier for him to obtain. Now Jesus is turning this like upside down. He's saying things like wealth, it doesn't matter at all when it comes to eternal life. Yeah. You know, there are no works. There are nothing that we can store up, nothing that we can gain that, you know, puts us in a right standing with God. You know, only a faith in God can get us salvation. And that is the impossible that only God can do through Jesus Christ. Yeah. And, and there is something comforting to me to know that my right standing with God isn't dependent on me. And I don't know about you. You're, you're pretty saintly, <laughs> uh, but I, I know yeah. I'm no saint. Uh, so to know that everything for my salvation is dependent on Jesus's perfect sacrifice and not my actions and, and thoughts and attitudes brings me great comfort and peace. So next in this passage, we have Peter who responds to Jesus's comment on needing God alone to have eternal life and right standing with God. And he asks in kind of only the way Peter can. Um, We have left everything to follow you. What then will there be for us? Or in other words, yeah, yeah, Jesus, we've given up everything already, but now what do we get? So can you share on what and why Jesus responded the way he did to Peter? Yeah, so let's just uh, read uh, Jesus' response again. So starting at verse 28, um, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, at the renewal of, of all things, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or fields for my sake, will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last and many who are last will be first. You know, again, Jesus is saying, listen up, guys, this is important. You know, and and each verse kind of gives us a separate point of emphasis. 
You know, at the beginning in verse 28, Jesus is saying, at the renewal of the earth, or, or when Jesus returns to take us home to be with him for eternity, you know, you guys are going to be a part of it because you have followed me. Mm-hmm. Eternal life is part of your reward for following me. Uh, next in verse 29, Jesus says, you know, we will be rewarded because we have sacrificed important things on earth for him. You know, Jesus isn't denying that having a home and property and important relationships that, you know, they aren't important, but he's saying that they can't be the most important things in our lives. Yeah. You know, in fact, God wants to reward us for our sacrifice. He says, you know, we will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. Yeah. So it's not an either or, it's a both and that he wants to give. And this isn't a health and wealth gospel, but God does want to reward us if we are willing to sacrifice the important things we have in our life. You know, if we sacrifice them with the right heart, with the right heart, you know, Jesus wants to, and God wants to reward us for that. Mm. You know, so really the important things in our life, they're to remind us of God. You know, in Isaiah 29, Isaiah is talking to the nation of Judah and how they put their trust in other things in other nations that, than God. And God is, wants to turn them back to him and not those things. So in verse 23, Isaiah says, when they turn back to God, they will see their family and their blessings. And they will recognize that those things are from God. Mm-hmm. So if we're willing to give God what is his and recognize that our blessings from him, that's when we'll have the full life that he promises. Hmm. You know, and, and then the last verse in, in verse 30, it reveals the humility that Jesus is looking for. You know, going back to the rich young ruler, the thinking then was, you know, this guy, you know, he has it made on earth, so he's going to have it made in heaven. You know, but God's economy isn't like that. Those who may seem like they have it all together here on earth may not have any standing with him in heaven. You know, and those who look like they have nothing here on earth, they may have many rewards in heaven. Yeah. You know, going back to, to Luke 9, you know, Jesus puts it another way in, in verse 24. If you keep your life for yourself, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you will find true life. Wow. Yeah, it's, this is good stuff. Very challenging to apply, um, but it's really solid foundational stuff that Jesus modeled to us. Um, How would this have impacted the Jewish people reading or hearing it uh, with their Old Testament law view? Yeah, you know, I'm thinking the, the thinking of the Jewish people would have been like turned upside down. You know, they thought they had to follow the commandments and, but they knew it was, impossible to follow it, you know, 100%. They tried and they knew they would fail, but yet they still tried as best as they can. Now Jesus is saying, you know, you don't need to work at gaining your right standing with God. Mm. All you need is faith in me. So this went so contrary to their thinking that it's no wonder that it was hard for many of them to accept that what Jesus had to say was true. Yeah. I, I always like to think through this, like, what does this mean for me right now? Um, and I think even for us today, I, I know I, I find sometimes that until I or we feel that we've done 
enough good things for God. Um, maybe we don't deserve salvation or we don't deserve right standing with God. We don't deserve the blessings of God. Um, and certainly there are blessings that come with obedience. And then there's times where, where God just blesses us because he's kind and we don't deserve it too. But um, he, one thing we do know about him is that he cannot bless disobedience. Right. Right. Um, but there's something in us that still feels like we have to earn that right standing with him. Yeah. Um, for us today, what do you think are some of the key takeaways we need to consider and ponder regarding our own hearts now and eternal life after reflecting on the rich young ruler? Yeah, you know, so after reading this passage many times and, you know, just listening to God and praying to him, you know, what does he want me to learn from this? You know, it's so what is the things that God is asking me to sacrifice to put him first in my life? Mm. You know, you know, when, you know, God asked me, you know, am I going to walk away sad like that, that rich young ruler, or am I going to do it with joy? Because I know that God has so much more in store for me. Yeah. You know, when, when I think of giving up something for God, you know, all I think about is, is a sacrifice and what I'm losing. You know, I don't think of the rewards that he wants to give me. Yeah. You know, I can see my bank account. I can see my possession. I can see the people I love, you know, but God has so much more in store for me if I'm just willing to put him first in my life, have him as Lord and take that step of faith and just trust in him that he has so much more for me. That's really good. Yeah. And then to go along with the sacrifices, am I willing to put God first in my life? Again, it's that Lordship, you know, like I said, you know, the physical things and the people that I love, you know, it's easy to put them first because I can see them, I can touch them. But but God's desire is to be the Lord of our life and lead in every area of my life. You know, there are rewards that he wants to give us in this world and in the new world, but they can only come through a sacrifice and an obedience to him and for him to be the Lord of our life. You know, they may not come as we expect, but there will be rewards here on earth and treasures in heaven. You know, the rich young ruler's challenge was about lordship in his life. Was he going to let God be the Lord of his life or was it his wealth? You know, so if we let Jesus be the Lord and follow him in obedience, you know, there will be eternal life and there will be blessings. Yeah. But this is really challenging. It's, it's probably a challenge that requires the summer to ponder and think about. Um, so as we're, you know, into summer now and we can have time to get away, um, I, at least I know for myself, I need some time and space to really kind of reevaluate things and to figure out why do I do these things? Why don't I do these other things? And to kind of let God shift things in my life. Um, so, Thank you very much for your insights on this passage, Bobby. Uh, it's been really good to reflect on this specific interaction that the rich young ruler had with Jesus and then with the disciples and to do that with you. Um, and I hope for all of you that are listening that today you have or will receive your right standing with God and find peace with him 
because of what Jesus has done on your behalf. Jesus is the Messiah that we need. And no matter what pit of despair or entanglement of sin that you might find yourself in, Jesus can set you free and forgive you today. Then there is greater and continued freedom in following the ways of Jesus into the future. Just like when Jesus challenged the rich young ruler to then follow him after he made these sacrifices and, and provoked him to think about eternal life. So today, if you would like to pray with someone, maybe about making a decision to follow Jesus or to just ask some more questions, um, I would encourage you to call our church number uh, 306-249-0084. And we would love to get in touch with you, grab a coffee with you maybe, and uh, to pray with you. We don't want you to go away sad like the rich young ruler. We want you to understand the tremendous gift of grace in Jesus and the freedom that comes with the forgiveness of sins and following him. So with that said, Bobby, would you um, close us off with just praying for us that are listening right now? Yeah, that'd be great. Thank you. You know, uh, dear God, just thank you for uh, salvation that we can have through Jesus and that we don't have to rely on ourselves and, and what we do for our salvation, but it's only through you, God, and a faith in you, Jesus, that we can have eternal life. You know, and please forgive us when we know what we should do, but but we don't do it. Forgive us for putting, you know, wealth, possessions, family, anything above you. And please forgive us for doing that. So please help us to uh, put you first in our life with joy and, and not sadness. Help us to look to you for how you, we, you want us to follow you. So thank you uh, for this time. And yes, just thank you for your provision, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, thanks again, Bobby. And uh, to all of you listening, we hope you have a blessed uh, remainder of your Sunday or whenever you get a chance to listen to this and that your summer would also be filled with uh, time with family and rest. And we look forward to when we can all be together again. Well, thank you for listening. Don't forget to check out our church website at ebenezerbaptist.ca. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can let us know by clicking like and by subscribing to our podcast channel. God bless you, and thanks for listening.